This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You can hear us live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Melbourne and the world, it's Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. My name's Raina and joining me today is Michael. Hello there. Hello indeed. And uh, the pilot of Starship Technogaze today is, of course, Mark. <laughs> Battle stations. <Are> you <laughs> Battle go- stations. <laughs> Raina, are you going to say, make it so? Make Ra- it so. Razor, I might- razor shields. That's right, that's right. Uh, might, might have to put us on red alert later. <laughs> Shields up, yeah. Now, um, it is a bit of a nerd weekend, actually. There's uh, Oz Comic Cons in town. It is. And, uh, and of course, some of our compadres, including myself, will actually be there tomorrow. Um, but also, of course, it's been a huge uh, geek week anyway for lovers of technology. So today's show, we've got a roundup of all the latest in tech news, as usual, mm-hmm. uh, including, for example, uh, New York State revoking its anti-cyberbullying laws. Mm. Nothing like a progressive move like, like that. How weird, hey. So, wait. Sorry. They're revoking... Anti, what, oh. yeah, yes, oh. we'll come to that. Yeah. Too many negatives there. <laughs> it's, it sounds negative, whatever the case. It really is, hey. Um, the Internet of Things getting a bit of a boost with ultra-low power memory chips that can power themselves. Yes. It's pretty, uh, pretty good if you're a bit of an application. Yeah, if, you, if you're a bit, uh, bit attached to your wall charger like I am. And uh, good old Germany can produce half of their power from solar panels now. That is a... Ah, oh, there's a round of applause. Fantastic um, feat, really, to be able it, to do it that. It really is spectacular, especially uh, considering that uh, Germany's days of sunshine are not necessarily as uh, as um, abundant there's as ours, a, There's perhaps. a few qualifiers to that. Though, there is a few, that yeah, we'll that's true. That will get into that later. Mm. Later on, we'll be looking at the, uh, the infamous Facebook mood study, so conducting a large experiment in manipulating its users' mood. Uh, what has the NSA been doing lately? Um, <laughs> Let me guess. Something a, benevolent? A few a few tidbits <laughs> about Bitcoin and 3D printing, always popular topics around the Technogaze water cooler, and Jason Murray is going to join us with a detailed look at Google I.O. from the phone. <laughs> on the phone. He'll be on the He'll phone. He'll be on the phone. <laughs> right. And, and probably talking about the phone too. Well, a little bit. Well, Particularly yeah, about user interface stuff that they're, they're doing, which in, is quite exciting. Indeedy. Mm. Now, like always, you can always get in touch with us uh, through the usual channels. Mark, tell us how it's done. You can text us 0427 JOY949. Oh, boy. You can email us on air at joy.org.au. Yes. And uh, you can call us as well. Mushin is on the front desk with a few uh, compadres around him. Yes. Um, Ready and willing to accept your calls. Calls 1300 JOY 949. 
Is that and everything? Wait, 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 Twitter. One? Twitter. Twitter's good. T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, on Facebook as well. Yeah, Facebook's good for um, if you want to, you know, it's every now and then we kind of post a, a thing on Facebook just to, yeah, to something keep your interesting. tech week happening. Indeedy. Mm. 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 So, <laughs> cyberbullying. Cyber yeah. It's legal in New York. <laughs> well, it's not illegal. Well, yes. Well, it's it used to it used to be uh, explicitly not cool under the law, and yeah. I was like, yeah, we don't really need that anymore. Like, so, you, you, in twenty ten, they introduced an anti anti cyberbullying law, which you think is quite good and progressive. That's right. But there's now been a bit of a challenge to it, and it's been struck down because it doesn't meet your rights under the First Amendment oh to goodness. be precluded from being a bully, right? Free speech and all that. Yeah. So apparently, in order to be free to speak your mind, you have to be able to... This kind of scares me a little bit because it, it relates back to what, what's going on here in Australia, right? With the right. Um, uh, so George section, Brandis, blah, Yeah, blah, yeah, yeah. Section 16 of the, uh, the anti-discrimination mm. thing as well. Yeah. It, it's really taking this idea of concept of free speech too literally. Yeah, look, it's it's... There's... There's a I can't remember the exact saying, although it gets brought up a lot. You know, your right to free speech ends where my right to to live at peace yes. begins, right? Mm. And there's this balance, and and this is something you know that you hear from kids a lot. Oh, it's my right to do this, it's my right to do that. But hang on, correspondingly, there is a responsibility. Yes, I'm talking about my own children. <laughs> correspondingly, there is a responsibility that you have, and your rights have to be balanced with a responsibility. Exactly. And if the responsibility to your free right of speech is not to intimidate bully, humiliate, and somebody else electronically, well, you know, that is, in my opinion, probably most reasonable people's opinion, a fair thing to do. Yeah. But not in New York State. Now, not anymore. Now, there are 12 other states in the US where this is actually the, the uh, still, pro- well, you are still protected from that. Um, cyberbullying, according to the law that was struck down, is any act of communicating by mechanical or electronic means, um, embarrassing things, private, personal, false, or sexual information... Uh, or sending hate mail with no legitimate private, personal, or public purpose, with the intent to harass, annoy, threaten, abuse, taunt, etc., etc., um, you know, specific with the specific intention of committing harm. Yeah. So it's not like, oh no, you're treading on my free speech rights to, you know, say something mean about mm. someone's body shape or whatever. It's, it's it's intending to cause harm. It's when yeah, which I don't, I wouldn't have thought would have been all that difficult to understand, right? If you're actually out and about to hurt somebody. That is not the same as as having a, a strongly held genuine opinion. Come yes. on, yeah, really That's cheeky. Right. Um, not cool. So interesting uh, comparisons are supposed to be made to the anti vilification things, the amendments yeah. that people are trying to. Well, we don't have free speech built into our constitution anyway. So hey, right. Can't so really what's going to happen? On that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else is there on uh, on the agenda for first up? The internet. Of, of things, things. <laughs> <De> la... <laughs> the internet de la things, the uh, the internet of things. Um, so when we talk about the internet of things, what would, what are we talking about? We're talking about bits that that sit around the house. We're talking smart, about smart things and, yeah. and integrating everything around your life with connectivity to the internet, collecting data, yeah, monitoring the environment. Yep. So yep. you know things like. You know, my curtains might shut automatically because the temperature in the room's going up and there's lots of sun, so it's going to then conserve electricity because my air conditioner doesn't have to come on. Right. You know, it's, it's right. those type of things, total integration and collection mm. of data. Sure. Now, of course, all of those things that you carry around or you, you have in your house or whatever chew up lots and lots of battery, and sometimes you don't always notice that it's 
happening. So, you know, mm. everything's cool with your uh, enabled microwave oven until the, you know, or whatever it is until there's no power. Yeah, and, you know, something like a microwave oven, you, you might be powered, but if you've got Internet of Things in your clothing, so something that perhaps has got something that registers how much you're sweating to then tell you to drink sure, water. Sure, no, counter or no, whatever. There's no battery source or anything like that. So the problem is how do you power it? That's right. So, you know, there, there are battery sources, obviously, on the devices that we wear now. Mm. So um, lots of lots of people, I mean, there's, there's quite a few of them getting around joy now, um, people wearing bracelets or, or sensors or whatever. Like, I, I wear one as well. Yep. just to measure how many steps I'm taking mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so there's that. But uh, Adesto Technologies is a company that is uh, that has just unveiled some pretty amazing uh, memory chips that can sort of power themselves the way that, you know, um, not exact, obviously not the same way as a watch, but, you know, like the, the watches that just need a little bit of motion from your hand. Mm, the old-fashioned mm-hmm. automatic watches. Yeah, that's right. And they would just sort of, you know, keep themselves, yeah. keep themselves uh, powered and everything just from movement. Particularly with um, uh, Internet of Things devices, there's, there's always a push to make sure that they are very low-powered, that they don't have too much of a uh, power right. requirement. So that sort of generation of power is, is probably quite suitable for most, uh, most yeah, devices. Yeah, fantastic. Hmm. Um, so, and this can also be used as flash memory as well. So you don't need uh, power to keep it up. Yeah. Now, these, cool. these Adesto chips use about 100 times less power than yes. current flash technology in terms of um, needed to write to, to flash memory. Mm-hmm. They also um, can survive through um, processes yeah, that have yeah, gamma and electron beam serialization, which means that they're really suitable for hospital-type applications. Right. So you could just sort of nuke that thing with whatever sterilizing yeah, with, beam Without you killing use. the memory. I'm so not a medical person, but I'm just imagining a doctor with a laser beam going pew pew <laughs> like to, to sterilize stuff. Because, you know, they do some pretty amazing stuff now. I, I'm a zapper in the hospital. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Um, so and I mean, if, if we can see it sort of moving away from tiny little sensors and more towards, you know, phones and things as well, that, you know, obviously we spend a lot of time poking around on, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So that's called CB-RAM. I'm sure CB-RAM. You'll, you'll hear more of it in the future. I'm sure we will. Last but not least, of course, uh, Germany has right. reached new heights yeah. in their power generation capability, particularly from renewables, anyway. Yeah, that's right. It's often the poster child of uh, of renewable energies is pointed at uh, Germany because they do so much with uh, renewable energy to uh, they're, they're really powering forward with you know avoiding I think they've got a lot of nuclear uh, power stations over there don't yeah don't they, they? they do they do have nuclear they have a lot of wind power generation as actually as does a lot of Western Europe mm. you know you drive along in Europe and you see lots of um, farms of windmills going uh, generating power yep. they also um, have some pretty great programs around encouraging citizens to install windmills and solar power Powers, yes. on in their own homes and everything mm, as well wow. and that's actually been doing a really great job so apparently um, they can now generate um, so I think it's 23.1 gigawatts right was the amount that they generated on Monday the Ju- June the 9th which mm. for them is a public holiday so there's probably not as much draw on the grid yes but um, that's 50.6 percent of all of the demand yeah for, for that time for which that is time. amazing yeah. I think this is a fantastic achievement and in comparison I think Australia's ability to generate solar power is quoted somewhere around about the one percent mark mm. right mm. which and is a little bit better than the US which is only 0.2 right percent. It's wow. often, like a fraction of nothing. Mm. It's often cited that uh, renewables doesn't really work for uh, baseload power. But even so, the ability to, to generate power on uh, at this sort of percentage level of the total power generated is 
you know that that reduces the need for yes. coal power or for gas power to 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 you know supplement what we need to. The other thing about solar, uh, coal and um, gas is that they are easily uh, ramped up and ramped down as as required. Mm. The, the you know the actual power stations are built to be capable of you know pump yeah. more coal into it and it'll produce more power. So yeah, it's great I mean, to be able to... There's only so many power stations, but we also yeah. have the national energy market, which is that uh, that thing that allows power companies to buy power from the other states. So there's, for example, a cable leading down to Tasmania. Mm. So when Tasmania, which has, you know, wind and hydro, hydro yeah. um, generates more power than is actually being drawn... Mm. They can sell then, it off. Yeah, they can mm. flog it. And, and it's like a spot price, so they can yep. actually do that really quickly. Um and, and that's, that's kind of interesting. And we've seen recently with that West African island where they were actually generating power during the day and storing in batteries during the night. Mm. Exactly. So it is possible to store this. And mm. yes, perhaps the costs these days of storage isn't as efficient as coal or gas. Yeah. But what Germany has achieved is showing that, yes, it is possible to produce via solar energy enough electricity en masse. Right. And that, um, you know, it's... Something that we sh- we really should do more of in Australia, particularly um, solar power would work well here in Australia um, for the likes of peak period um, air conditioning, yes. so forth. Um, particularly on a, on a hot day, it's the time when you turn on your air conditioning. So it's kind not? of complimentary. It's yeah. hot, therefore I need the air conditioning. Therefore, there's enough sun out there to dry, you know, to yeah. collect um, energy. I saw an interesting article recently on this, and um, actually, our peak times are towards the end of the day. So. Um, right, so people are getting six home, to eight, yeah, right. cooking, turning on the aircon as well yeah. as cooking, doing the doing the dishwashers or whatever. Yeah, yeah so that's um, that's actually a challenge to to for solar power to to fill in that gap because the sun is going down at those points in time. Sure, but think about all that idle time that your house is spending when you're not at home, mm-hmm. or maybe you are at home but you're not doing much because you know if if you live in a family and you're at home, yep. doing whatever, and you know the kids and spouse are out or something, yep. you're using less power. I mean, even just that yep. means that you can actually store or, or you know, have a little bit more capacity around gas and things like that as well. Yes, yeah. I think that um, as well. There's not a lot of thought put into it. So I just get home and I just want to turn the air conditioner mm. on. I don't think about how the the house has built up a lot of heat throughout the day. Yeah. Therefore, um, what does that mean for um, uh, you know turning on the air conditioner as I get home means it's it's working overload to try and get get us cooled down again. Yep. Get my yeah. house cooled down. So. Um, you know, that, that's it's a good thing that um, that um, that we yeah we can just um, you know yeah, and perhaps it's more efficient sometimes to have the air conditioning on a little bit earlier so it doesn't get up that high mm. and so on. Well, imagine that if you had your Internet of Things, right? And which we were just talking about before, and you've got a little sensor that says you know it's it's thirty degrees or whatever in your house. Imagine that if you could switch on mm. um, your aircon at say two o'clock for an hour just to cool down the house yes. a little yeah. bit. And then turn it off again, right? Mm. Or have it do it for you so that mm. when you get home, you're not sitting there flogging the aircon along yes. with everybody else in your neighbourhood. One, one of the barriers in terms of um, collection of power via solar is the cost of the solar panels themselves. Mm-hmm. And mm. I recently saw that some company is in the process of designing and planning some new solar power cells that are basically cheaper than the cost to produce energy via gas and coal. Yes. And that's going to be a real game changer if 
they're able to pull that off. Total cost of ownership is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I was excited to see this week is sort of a little bit related is there is a, uh, I think called the Earthworker Cooperative and they're based in Morwell. Right. Uh, or I think maybe they're based in Morwell. They've got a factory in Morwell. Mm-hmm. Actually um, uh, located, I'd say. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but they've been manufacturing these great heat pumps without a tank that, that lets you use stored solar power to actually heat up um, hot water for um, residences and, you know, little, yes. little businesses yep. and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and it's kind of portable, which is the thing for me that makes me think, well, you know, solar is great and all, but I don't own a house. Is mm. this always going to be out of my reach? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the the more sort of work goes into developing things like that, mm. um, that you can sort of, you know, take around to another rental property or, you know, sell easily to a mate if you're moving into a block of apartments, for example, or something like that. You know, yep. all those sorts of things are yeah, becoming a little easier. Like I've, I've rented all my life and I would really like to put solar panels on the top of my house. So yeah. I'm happy to, to fork out that extra money, but... It's, For the I don't saving wanna, and stuff, yeah. I don't want to give that to my landlord, right? It's yes. No, that's right. That's that's a bonus for them. Mm. So this is the sort of thing you could take with you if you wanted. I mean, and it, you know, it claims to uh, save, I think, seventy five percent of your mm. your power costs on that, which is pretty good. Mm. Just a bit of thought, and we'll solve the world's problems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about thought um, thought uh, manipulation? Right. Hey. right. Now, who, who would do that? Nice segue. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, who, who else what, but? Who comes to mind when you think about thought manipulation? Just, just, just yeah, well, the NSA, I don't know. CIA. I don't know. Yeah. All, the, all the secret subliminal messages that we, uh, we transmit on the joy transmitter? I don't know. <laughs> Bye now. Become, actually, can I just mention, while we're, while we're on that topic, we've had a membership come in. Um, oh. Thank you to uh, Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel in Carlton North. Yes. I know a park in Carlton North that has a lot of possums in it. <laughs> Is it one of those? Like, do they have an nah. internet connection in the park? Maybe? Could do. Okay. Could Wouldn't do. Thank me. you, Squirrel. It is Carlton North, after all. Um, yes, for signing up. Well done. What do you want to do if you want to become a member of Joy? You you jump onto the website. Too right. Joy.org.au. Yes. Indeedy. Mm-hmm. Indeedy. There's a nice big link there. It is very easy to do. So, yeah, imagine if you want to study uh, a lot of people and you want to manipulate their moods or, you know, do that sort of thing. What, what do you think is the largest field study of people in the, in the whole world? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, pick me, sir. Yes, I'm Facebook. It's Facebook. Exactly right. Facebook has bajillions of people. Um, that is a scientific number. But for a bit of science there, they took 600,000 users' Facebook feeds and manipulated the contents of those feeds. They weren't, like, making fake stuff. But what they were doing is they were prioritizing more positive or less positive content, depending on who you were, or I guess yes. they had a control group as well, mm. um, to see whether or not you would... Um, sort of catch a bad mood or a good mood from the sort of content you were reading. And what do you know? They reckon that they have found a bit of a link. Hmm. Which is interesting for two reasons. One is that, wow, really? That's the thing? Like, I suppose if all you see is grumpy things then you're going to feel grumpy. But the other thing is, wow, were you going to tell us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, so Facebook. <laughs> I, there's two sides of my brain going, going at this, right? In, and I'm just like, I'm not sure how to resolve it. But psychological study, you know, empirical research, great. You know, understanding the brain even better. Yes. That's a good thing. Informed consent's a pretty good thing too, Mark. <laughs> Informed consent. 
I do like the term informed consent because the consent <laughs> is there in terms of the terms and conditions, but it certainly is not informed. No, no, no. Well, it's sort of, it's sort of kind of There's practically nearly almost there. <laughs> so this, is, this is what I, what I consider a social contract, and uh, it's an absolutely an apt term because yes. it's a social network that we're talking about here, right, being Facebook. Um, it's, it's kind of understood that, yes, there is some, there's obviously some decision factors in what Facebook present to me in my, in my feed. It's not like everything that everyone ever puts is, is in there. Mm-hmm. I think it's mainly based on, like from my understanding anyway, it's based on how you interact with other people. So, you know, if I like some, someone's things more, then they're more likely to end up in, in my feed more. If right, you know I mean. yeah. So it's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, you know, self-fulfilling thing going on there, yeah. the perpetuality of it. But to be also adding on to that, hey, we're going to just judge whether this post is happy or sad and then try to manipulate or, or see what your, what your response might be from, you know, seeing multiple of these, that's breaking the social contract that I have with Facebook. I don't, I don't understand that that's what they're going to do. Therefore, I'm yeah. against it. With that said, I mean, um, before the show when we were sort of getting ready, I was talking to uh, newsreader Sarah, in mm. fact, and uh, I was saying, oh, what do you think of, of this whole thing? She's like, oh, that thing. Is anyone actually surprised? Because you kind of yeah. like you, you read this and go, oh, ew. And then you think, well, come on. Is anyone really actually surprised? I personally was not super surprised. I was, yep. I was so disappointed. Just because we, yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? Just because we're not surprised doesn't mean we shouldn't be oh, disgusted by oh, of it. Of course. Fact. Yes. The fact that, you know, they are actually fulfilling on, because, you know, people understand human nature. People understand that there's this massive organization that wants to do stuff with the uh, massive resource that they have available to them, which they're providing for free and all that sort of thing. Great, you know, wonderful. Um, they're, they're great. But... There's a certain line, I think, that they, that should be drawn. Yeah. Um, I think at the very least, you should be able to opt in and out of, in very broad senses, say, are you happy to participate in X, Y, Z? Now, mm. I know arguably you can say that when you signed up and then the terms and conditions it says we might use your data for fun like this. Yeah. Right. But... Yeah. Okay, so here's, here's an example. So there was there was a great story on the, the conversation.com mm-hmm. um, this week that was talking about it, and it talks about the, the, uh, the standards that research without... Um, informed consent is supposed to meet right. for it to be considered ethical. One is that, you know, the lack of knowing or understanding must be necessary for the research, which is arguably true yep. for this. Because that would influence it if right. you knew about it. Yep. That's right. But the other thing is must be no more than minimal risk. Now, I don't think that manipulating somebody's mood mm. is, is minimal, is minimal risk. risk. I think if you're already the sort of person who is having a bit of a rough trot in their life for whatever reason, mm. and sometimes that, that happens to all of us, and you're having a bit of a rough time, mm-hmm. and then Facebook is suddenly... Deliberately making your life possibly a bit worse. Yeah, where does that put their liability? And and the problem with this is because it's such a massive audience. You know, great that they have this uh, massive sample size in front of them of billions of people. Oh yeah, statistically, and they're choosing seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred thousand. That's right. It was seven hundred, wasn't it? How how um how how what about that that individual that single person that might be as you say in a in a not such a good place in their life and they're suddenly seeing a lot more sadness in their facebook updates right. mm. 
Um, How's that going to influence what, what is that? Yeah. And, and who's going to pinpoint that and figure out that that's actually what happened? Well, you can't know. That's the thing, because all of the data was anonymized as part of the study. So mm. you, and you can't see the effects. Oh. You can see what people are posting, but you don't know that someone, you know, didn't go home and kick their cat or break up with their spouse or yeah. quit their job or, you know, any number of things could have happened that you just can't see. It's real world, real world versus online world and you know there's there are benefits to being able to access access this this massive amount of data but you know what is the consequence as well the other thing that i find sad from this is probably the general reaction to this which is from a lot of people yeah that's Me. fine i don't care mm. and yeah. you know sample size of one oh, being well, one's teenage daughter and make that two i i was asking you know, talking to a friend of mine last night yeah. actually about this exact thing and again also didn't care and and we're not surprised that whole yeah. thing of Oh yeah, it's Facebook. They they could do that. They could mm. do, that. and and I don't mind that they've done that. Well, mm. and Sarah from the news team. I don't know if she. I didn't ask her if she minded or not, but she was just like, eh, "Is anyone surprised?" No. Mm. I mean, mm. it's pretty blasé. It's pretty easy to get blasé. And it's, I, I guess it's a shame. there's one thing: being prepared to lose privacy when you're posting on social media and things like that. Mm. There's another thing about deliberate manipulation of you as an individual, whether right. it be for study or not for study. Now, you know, there's enough of manipulation in advertising as such, but mm. it's advertising. This is something very, very different. And with this, the whole brouhaha, which I thought was really not a very good way to deal with it, um, Cheryl Sandberg, who's the uh, CEO, yep. gets up in a conference and says, oh, sorry, we communicated this so badly. I was like, sorry, you found is, out. Is that is that the sorry? Yeah, basically, <laughs> sorry, sorry. This was this was revealed to you in a non-optimal, non-PR way, and and literally did the old shruggy my bad face mm. and proceeded as normal. Right. Come on. Anyway, this is in fact Techno Gaze here on Joy ninety four point nine, where it's twenty eight minutes past midday, and we've got more exciting tech news right after this. Techno that's right, it's Joy 94.9, 29 minutes to one here in beautiful mid-city Melbourne. Uh, it's Technogaze. It is. Technogaze, where we talk about tech with Mark, Michael and I'm Rainer. And we're talking tinfoil. We are talking tinfoil, yes. So we have just been discussing a few uh, bits and dramas with uh, Facebook doing some creepy things. But of course, we all know of another favourite uh, favorite organisation of ours TLA. here. Another TLA. That's a third, le- uh, three-letter acronym. So uh, Listener Texas gave me the heads up about this one this morning. Um, Linux Journal and other um, resources found on the internet to talk about your privacy and security and whatnot. Um, the NSA maybe, possibly maybe, thinks these are... Terrorists, hangouts. Terrorist subversive organisations. <laughs> My goodness. And what are they doing? Uh, so, if you are, there's there's a thing called X Key Score, which is a thing that they use to sort of keep an eye out for interesting things that people might be. Um, so, what this is, what NSA based their monitoring on? It is. It's a it's a system um, that they use to actually gather that information. So, when we've talked about on the show before about the NSA is you know trawling up bits and pieces of our yep. web traffic, this is the thing that they're using, and uh, and Edward Snowden um, revealed those things last year. Uh, about a year ago, in fact, and uh, it's X key score. It sounds a little bit whoop de doo. Um, but some of the things that are in X key score is that if you are even just searching the web for Tor mm. or Linux or a couple of other things, I think TrueCrypt is one of them as well. Um, then they will just start harvesting your information because obviously you're some sort of dojo for being interested in free software privacy. Oh. Grubby. Um, and the Tor network, of course, is itself funded by the U.S. government. Is it? 
It was originally. It was actually <laughs> developed by the US government to help people who live in totalitarian states oh. to get their sort of information out now, and about. Why do I hear a repeating theme here of US government, well, I shouldn't get political, but US government doing stuff, you know, knocking over leaders to put their own leader in there who does then something far worse. So it's the same theme, isn't it? Right, I guess. Well, so Bruce, Bruce Schneier, who is a, a bit of security wonk, and, uh, and Cory Doctorow, who also talks a lot about security and freedom mm. and privacy and stuff like that, um, have both sort of done a little bit of writing about this, which just came out quite recently. And uh, and they've been uh, sort of saying, well, is it possible that there's another whistleblower? Yes. Is it possible that uh, that the reason why they're doing this sort of thing is maybe that they're looking for, as well as baddies, maybe they're looking for possible goodies. Maybe they're looking for people that they can sort of, you know, tap into and go, hey. Would you like to come on board? Yeah. They're not actually, they're not really saying, you know, those things, mm. but like in the articles, you know, a lot of interesting people are coming along to the, the comments and stuff going, hey, yeah. have you thought about this? It's really hard to see... Um, how extensive it is, and it's it's pretty disturbing, um, is is what a lot of people are saying, I suppose, when they mm. look at it. It's like, wow, someone's actually farming up all of that. It's, it's almost getting to the stage where, yeah, we're not surprised. It's, Just, again, we're not yeah. surprised. Look, the, the Snowden revelations of the last year or so have made that really... You know, if, if you're a bit of a bit of a security watcher, as, as we all are here at Tinfoil Central... Hmm. Um, what, what do you think, Mark? You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the noted... Uh... The tinfoil hat wearer. Um, look, hey, <laughs> it's kind of... I, I think it's really disappointing in general, and it echoes what I said before about Facebook, mm. that uh, we've kind of been desensitised to it now. Absolutely. Snowden's happened. He's, you know, safely in Russia or wherever he is, you know. Is he going to be effective in, in continuing his plight of, you know, opening up the world to what's going on? Uh, particularly, you know, with the, the types of things that the NSA have been done. No, actually, what we've done is we've actually started to accept it. You know, mm. we've accepted that, that this happens. You know, they they have the power mm. to, to do it. Um, these are the, the nightmare stories that, um, that you know, lots of nerds in their, in their basements were, were coming up with back in the 90s, the early noughties. And suddenly it's all coming to fruition. Right. The You know, governments around the world are using this connected web of, you know... Stuff. Stuff to really, you know, start uh, controlling mm. thought and, and, and understanding what's going, you know, and, yep. and yeah. observing people in ways that w- could never be imagined and without the technology. Let's not pretend that this is just, you know, just a few random freakos and stuff like that. Like, anyone who is even remotely interested in privacy... Mm. Right, who's, who's gone on, jumped onto their favourite search engine and gone, you know, anonymizers or Tor or whatever, even just to find out what the hell it is, yep. is now on this red list. Yep. Where yep. you'll be looked at forever. Like, yeah, and, <laughs> or, or, you know, who knows? Like, it's going to oh, get to the stage be on the list. where these red lists are going to be so huge. Everyone's going to be on there. <laughs> it's like, well, let's make them huge. This is what we need to do. And I think Michael and I we were talking about how to circumvent this, right? Is the, uh, the way to, to turn it around and turn it on their heads is to actually put random data in so yeah. i could run a a, a a a particular plugin on my web browser that that uh, just does searches, every now yeah. and then searches for the odd you know tour thing linux linux journal you know yeah. all the good stuff and mm. suddenly i guess that plugin will become illegal and suddenly you know and would it be actually i don't know it, it's it's not really um helpful in the long run though right like the actual problem we need to solve is the fact that they are monitoring the actual, not, yeah and and the lack of transparency 
because it's just adding to the noise, right? And yeah. we're just adding to the suddenly the internet needs to have a whole bunch more bandwidth because so many people, if if this is to work anyway, so many more people are going to be just hitting Google for the random searches. There's going to be all this background noise that, and then and you know, NSA like, sponsored ISP. Is it really though? Like you would have to do a lot of work to make it actually look totally random. And yeah. even even if I mean if they're going to get all antsy about doing one simple Google search for encryption mm. amongst all you know puppies and and recipes and whatever it is that you're using. To to fill yep. the network with noise doesn't matter. They're just going to jump on it anyway. Mm. It's worrying. It's really. It's. It's very concerning. It's also pretty new news. So I guess a, a lot of the implications for this will come out later. Yeah. I think when people have had a bit more of a chance to think about it. Mm. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Mm. Right. There's, we do. We do think about Bitcoin occasionally. Yeah, and there's been a bit of Bitcoin news. There's been. A, there's a couple of Bitcoin news. In fact. So, so over in the land of the. Free land, speech. Of free. land of the free speech. Uh, it's uh, it's now a kind of currency as opposed to a thing that you can swap with other friends for, you know, a final profit. It's actually um, more legal to use it in the sense that it is... Uh, it's legal now. Well, at least well, in it's California. A, it's a currency it's, as distinct yeah. from so, a, a, a collector card or something. Do you know so what I mean? California had a law that prohibited the use of any currency other than the US dollar for transactions. Correct. That's now been repealed. So it's opened the way for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to be used legally in the state but it's more than just currency it's 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 anything you know so they were talking about the ability to buy things with your reward points which is something that we obviously can do in australia to a certain degree with yes but remember you're swapping something and you're often paying at the same time so you might be you Mm. know um like even even with you know reward points on on some of the airlines, yep. although it's probably because I never get enough points, um, and maybe you jet setters have a different idea. But it'll be uh, you know thirty nine dollars plus yes, however many, many thousands points, of points, yeah. so that you're still actually making exchange. Now it, it's an interesting question because I mean as well as you know Bitcoin and and you know Dogecoin and Litecoin and all that stuff and all these cryptocurrencies, mm. what's to stop you now that it doesn't? Because it's not even like there's not even a law that says well Bitcoin is legal. It's a thing that says, like you said, oh, it, it doesn't just have to be the dollar anymore. Could you actually buy things in Australian dollars in well, a shop? Theoretically, you can could, I yes. set up a shop and sell Tim Tams to expat Australians with Australian, Australian money? dollars? Yes. Oh, no Australian dollars, no Tim Tams for you. <laughs> but we'll take Bitcoin. But I'll take your bitcoins for a jar of Vegemite. How about that? <laughs> but what about Australia? Well, the ATO is still mulling over whether Bitcoin, in fact, is a currency or a good. Right. So that's actually kind of interesting if you are a business who's been accepting Bitcoins as payment for things, which apparently, according to a story in the Fairfax media, um, that there was a bit of that going on in Melbourne. Melbourne is apparently Bitcoin central for Australia in terms of businesses. Okay. More businesses here. Um, But, of course, you know, if you are a business, you kind of need to be paying rent, um, paying rent, paying taxes. You probably need to pay rent as well (laughs) Um, or a lease or something. Um, I'm a squatter business. <laughs> right. So if you treat Bitcoin as goods, like a, a, an exchangeable good, then mm. obviously there's a little bit more work that needs to be done. Fellas, what do you think? Well, speaking as not, not an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think either of us are accountants. Right? The, and not as someone who's got Bitcoin either, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm Bitcoin free. Yeah. The uh, Look, the biggest thing for businesses is the uncertainty around it in that, you know, the things that they've been doing around Bitcoin may uh, be historically or retrospectively um, taxed differently to what they've been doing, mm. which places a burden on business because you can't operate in an environment where you don't know what's going on. Right. So the, the ATO have asked the Solicitor General... For 
for advice on the matter and will hopefully come out soon with a ruling. But, um, you know, a lot of people were hoping to have had this resolved before now. Yeah. Look, people are always saying, oh, yeah, you know, Bitcoin, it's, it's this, it's that, you know, it's cheap, it's, it's whatever. It's not so much of a pain. The article that was in the thing today, it was like, you know, so there's a guy that was, uh, he was accepting Bitcoin and he would manually process it by using his own Bitcoin wallet to make a QR code and then scan, you know, print out the QR yeah. code and then, mm-hmm. you know, scan all that sort of stuff and yada, 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 yada. Now, that's bad enough. Right. Obviously, it's a bit easier now to accept Bitcoin if you've got some software or whatever. But if why would you bother if it means that you've got to sorry, spend three sorry. hours with your account every day? So three print QR code. Print yes. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get a buzzword and we're gonna print it on our buzzword and then we're gonna like internet it on our buzzword. Yeah, you know what I mean. Gee whiz. Right. We should yeah. probably move on. We've got um, Jason coming up in a few moments. We've, we've whole, got a whole bunch of Google I.O. stuff that we didn't cover last week. That's right. And he's had a whole week to digest it and think about it. So I can't wait. What better person to, to have on? We'll, uh, we'll have that in just a few moments. You're listening to Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. You are listening to uh, Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. That's right. It's 18 minutes to one with Mark, Raina and Michael. We also have on the line, hopefully, Jason. is uh, Jason. Are you with us? Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Can anyone hear me down there? I'm calling in from Sydney. The window is very, very small. Sydney. Sydney, yes. <laughs> Hello. Um, so how's, how are things looking in, up in lovely Sydney? Is the weather better than here in Melbourne anyway? Uh, it's it's freezing cold. No, it's, right, so winter winter is here. Like it's just a good thing that, that we're not um, making Game of Thrones references. <laughs> you know, there was actually a Game of Thrones exhibit up in Sydney this week, and people got to queue for about four hours out in the cold. You know, I read I read a great story that people were jumping on Airtasker asking people to line up for I know, them. Right? What a <laughs> world we live in. Well, so so this this is this is my basic. Uh, this, is, this is the way I handle. Uh, I, handle cues in my head at least I'm not really this smart but you know I just always say just go and find a hobo and get them to sit in line for you <laughs> mm. nothing like, like outsourcing a task exactly right. <laughs> air task just make that a little, a little bit more above board but it buys you a whole lot more time to think about Google I.O. right it did. It, it, it did. No, I, I didn't do that actually. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, Google, <laughs> Google I.O. I've, I, we've had plenty of time to uh, plenty of time to digest what's happening with Google I.O. Um, I have a watch on my way that I can't wait to put on my wrist, which should be arriving on Monday. But Which no, watch, be, do you know? I, I, I do know. I paid for it. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, it's just the way you said a watch. I'm like, oh, amazing. Because one of the yeah. things that, that featured in Google I.O.'s uh, uh, conference is the, uh, the wearable devices aspect. So yeah. watches is, is, a, is a big part of that. Yeah, this is, this is uh, Google's new thing called Android Wear. Um, it's a new version of Android that's actually for wearable devices. And, you know, we can sort of say, well, what, what actually is a wearable device? But a watch is probably the most obvious choice. But I think we're going to find over the next few months that Google Glass is actually going to come in under the Android Wear banner as well. Mm. Well, it's it's a good way to categorise them all in the same place. And from a performance point of view or a device point of view, they're pretty, pretty similar. They've got, you know... The, yeah, and, uh, the same low uh, low power um, uh, requirements and so forth. Yeah, and I, I, I always thought when I, I tried Google Glass about a year ago, and I actually thought that the UI actually would make a lot more sense on a watch. So it seems like it's going that way now. Um, so Google announced uh, two Android Wear devices uh, shipping 
shipping now or next week. The, there's the G Watch that's coming from LG, mm. and there's a Gear Live that's coming from Samsung. And uh, there's a third watch that everyone sort of really, really is waiting for called the Motorola Moto 360, which actually um, it looks really cool because it's got a round screen, uh, which is something that you don't see in a lot of consumer electronics. But no, you do see it on watches. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you don't see a round screen on watches. No, a screen, see, that see, is true. You see round watches with screens inside that round. So, yeah, this is, it's a completely round screen. Um, uh, and yeah, and it, it looks pretty cool. So I have, I've personally got an LG G Watch uh, on the way. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. People who went to Google I.O. got either a G-Watch or a Gear Live for free, and they've got a promise of a Moto 360 uh, coming later in the summer in the U.S. time, but, but winter for us. Got to love right. the, the goodies that come with your uh, conference price that you, you pay. Yeah, it's not exorbitant exactly free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, so I, think, so I think the other thing that Google I.O. attendees got, and this is probably getting, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, is an Android TV dev kit as well. Ah. So, you know, that's, all, that's all part of the $1,000 that you pay to attend the developer conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So, the, 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 how, how's it with the, uh, the Aus- uh, what, did, what did you cover in Osdroid this week? I think it was uh, a Samsung um, Gear, right? The- yeah, so we actually got our hands on a Samsung Gear Live, um, which I think we, we did really well to get that. It was actually a, a loan from the, the a loan from a, a friendly developer who uh, attended Google I.O. and then loaned us watch because they were sort of like, oh, yeah, you can have a play with that. Um, so the UI for uh, Android Wear, it's really, it's really rooted in Google's new material design principles. And I know you guys talked about that a little bit last week, so we don't, don't really need to go over that, but it's very, it's very animated. Things move around the screen a lot. And there's a, there's a great sort of sense of depth uh, to the UI. And so Is it, it's kind of tactile as well, isn't it? Like... A little bit, yeah. It's sort of yeah. it's sort of the anti skeuomorphism. It, it feels like it's part of the real world, but it certainly doesn't look like it. Yeah, it's 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 basically a digital projection of you know what you would do if you had a, a piece of paper that could it could move, reshape, and reflow and change it, change what's actually uh, presented on it. And that, that's sort of how they that's how they're trying they're encouraging developers to think about things. And so that's very evident in their watch UI now. And so you're usually swiping things left and right because you know there's not enough space on a watch screen to put a keyboard, but that's not stopping people from trying. <laughs> so I guess they're encouraging developers to start to develop against this UI, aren't they? Absolutely, they've they've put the dev tools out there for it. Um, so is Grinder available they, on it yet? <laughs> well, <laughs> I so I, so I, I actually I actually think I, I think it'll be a long time before the developers at Grinder sort of wake up and just go, oh my god, there's a watch. But what? I actually think that the the swipe left and right is probably a little bit better tuned for Tinder. <laughs> We do actually. I think the most recent version of Grinder that's come out is uh, on the Android. They've only. done a. They've, they've done a. They've a, done a swipe a up re- and down though, but not left or right. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for not being up to date with the latest <laughs> developments in Grinder. I'm not. I'm not much of a, a an expert on Grinder either, as well. But I think because some, sometimes you guys get some pictures on that app that maybe I wouldn't want to have on my wrist in the middle of a meeting. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, possibly, but you know, you, you just don't open the app. When you're, yeah. It's the same. It's the same as just not looking at your phone when you're, you know, in, in public. I, mm. I remember seeing a. I remember seeing a photo that someone took on the the tube in London uh, a couple of years ago, where there was a, a guy sitting opposite him on on his phone, just looking at his phone. But you could see the reflection of the porn on his phone in the window oh, behind him. Oh, <laughs> awkward. Mm. Always, always check whether you're next to a window or not, especially on yeah. public transport. Um, now, Android Auto was uh, another part of uh, the Google I/O uh, conference, right? 
It sure was. Um, it's sort of it, it's very related to Android Wear, and it's much the same way as uh, Android Wear is using a, a sort of a customized UI for apps to run on a, wa- on a watch. Android Auto is going to do the same thing to run on your car's head unit. Mm. So you'll get in the car, you plug your phone in, and your apps will basically cast their user interface onto the car's display. And you know, so when you say cast, you're thinking like with. Um you know, just just turning turning the display into an extension of the screen, right? Well, so yes, and there's there was an I mean, they, so Google very specifically used the phrase "cast," which does seem to imply that like the Chromecast. Chromecast. <laughs> I'm not I'm not really sure that that's quite what's going on there, but basically, what what's ending up happening is that you've got you've got uh, your own uh, your own file that runs the runs the app on your phone and when it senses that it's connected up to an android auto head unit then it can sort of activate another part of itself that has a different user interface that runs on that display right now do you think google have been proactive reactive here because you know apple have got their own little car infotainment solution well, so I, I think I think it's a sort of a case of both companies heading in the same direction at the same time because um, I mean Apple's gone for a very very specific set of manufacturers um, with CarPlay and I think uh, I think it's involving like companies like BMW and isn't it Ferrari as well or something or but, you know it's, it's all of these cars where you're not going to see that you're not going to see that unit come out in consumer consumer friendly right. you know, low end cars. Low end, yeah. Google's going with companies like uh, Pioneer and with LG, and they've got a few. They've got a few car uh, car manufacturers, you know, lined up to provide this as well. I actually sort of think. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I, I don't drive, so like, I'm really, I'm really a poor choice of them. But mm. um, I was, I noted that uh, Russell from Shifty Jelly over in Adelaide said during the week that uh, he thinks that um, he, he thinks that. Android Auto is superior to CarPlay because the experience is going to be better and, of course, the apps because he trusts Google Maps more than Apple Maps. For, <laughs> for some reason, I'm not really sure. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Apple will never live the Google Maps... Uh, sorry, the Apple Maps... Shemozzle? 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 Well, actually, that's, that's really a good point because I haven't really seen any discussion more recently about how Apple Maps compares with Google Maps. So I was tweeting a little bit about this during the week because... It, it, it really is one of those things where Apple's Apple's map solution has been damned by the poor reception that it got at the start of its at the start of its life. We don't we don't really know what it's like anymore. We all got Google Maps and stopped using it, didn't we? Uh, to be fair, I, I'd sort of look at Apple Maps not not because I'm looking specifically for Google, uh, Apple Maps, but you know sometimes it's the default on mm. a device or whatever. It's yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's kind of done its dash. Well, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see what happens when CarPlay sort of goes mainstream and you get Apple Maps coming up on your car because you can get Google Maps on an Android Auto system as well. And um, I know which one I'll be using because uh, you know obviously I fall into the Google ecosystem and the uh, Android world. Mm. Quite. Now, uh, last but not least, but um, I guess it's something that uh, was permeated through the entire Google I.O. conference was this idea of material design. It's actually a, sort of a new direction in their user interface um, aspects of Android. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, I think, we, I think we sort of summed it up earlier. It's, it, it, they, they, they want you to think of the user interface as like a piece of paper, but it moves and resizes, it reshapes and reforms itself. And components in the user interface now have elevation, uh, which means it drops shadows back. Huh. Yeah, we, we've always dropped shadows <laughs> so long. And this is, you know, compared to the other ecosystem being Apple, uh, Apple mm. have 
flattened everything out, whereas yeah. Google seemed to be moving in another direction, perhaps because they've, they've already started with a flat surface and now they're, they're moving the other way. It's, it's sort of weird how they're kind of, you know, intertwining yeah. each, well, each so other. Google's had this, Google's had this uh, the UI standard on Android called Hollow Design for quite a while now, and for the last year, maybe 18 months, they've been evolving that to a design that we didn't really have a name for called uh, the, we just sort of informally just called it cards because everything looked like it was a bit of uh, like a card right. in the background mm. and so we've had that happen for a little while and we're sort of like well we don't really realize we don't really know if the card ui is really the hollow ui and so it turns out that the card ui is this is material design all of these cards are pieces of paper and so what they're trying to do now with um, with the next the next version of android and uh, and their material design is to really bring an emphasis on animation on those cards uh, and give things a depth so that the components can now actually raise and lower on, on the screen. And so that, that's where the, the tactile feel that Rainer was talking about earlier really comes into play. And so you can see when something's floating above the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the interface. Something that really struck me about the design document, which you can actually read as a preview, talks about how um, the movement, even, even the movement of things on the screen is, you know, things that are closer to where your finger actually touched the screen will react slightly quicker than things that are further away to give you that really sort of physical sense. And the yeah. way they sort of draw that back to, you know, like the matter of, of you know, trusting in the natural world as we do um, and how your phone actually looks like that, that it's not this sort of weird abstract part of the thing anymore, but it's actually a really grounded, solid part of the world. I thought it was really lovely just to read all the thought that went into that. It was amazing. Yeah, the, the, so it's, it, if anyone wants to browse it, it's at google.com slash design. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a really big resource there that sort of explains how Google intends to build its user interfaces going forward. And this is not just Android either. This is how Google's going to look on the web because uh, Google's material design, uh, they've implemented it for Android from a user interface perspective. But as you'll see, if you go to that site, they've also implemented it into HTML. Yes, so and I reckon a lot that's of their... how their web properties are going to look. They're going to have bold colors. They're going to have movement. All of, all of these all of these really awesome resources. Yeah, they're kind of tending that way already, aren't they? Hmm. Even. They are, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure we're going to see lots, lots more developments as, uh, as time goes on with that. Uh, we're going to have to wind it up, I'm afraid, Jason. I, I was looking at the clock and I, I thought, well, that's going to happen, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been lovely to talk to you guys. It's been lovely to have you on air. Thank, Thank you, you, Jason Murray. Um, you are, of course, on Ozdroid as well. You're uh, part of the um, part of the crew that uh, uh, write. Right. Plenty uh, of part of the crew. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, you can find us at Ozdroid.net. Indeed. Uh, I'll just slip in a quick plug. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Uh, right. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. Technogaze. Three minutes to one here on Joy 94.9 and you have been listening to Technogaze with Mark, Michael and Rainer. Yes. That's me. Now, Hello. Last but not least, now we were talking a little bit about Google I.O. and there were lots of amazing announcements about phones and watches and whatnot, but what's, what was the most uh, wacky one for you, Michael? Well, I think it was the, uh, their version on Oculus Rift. Right. Made with cardboard. That's right. So it was a cardboard project. So if you can uh, if you can find yourself some lenses, which of course we all have lying around the house, and uh, and some cardboard, you can use these plans to make your own Oculus Rift with your smartphone. Pretty amazing. And uh, so we're going to see a whole bunch of people with just these massive bits of cardboard over the face. Is that is that how it's going to work now? Well, there, there is a great picture of a guy um, actually using his cardboard Oculus Rift with his mouth open, obviously going "whoa" or something like that. So, um, and you can do that. So you can always Google that. Um, 
VR Toolkit, I think is the name of the thing. Um, Do you think they're having a little go at Facebook and Oculus Rift? <laughs> well, $2 billion is what uh, what Facebook spent to buy the Oculus Rift, but uh, Google's like, yeah, 20 bucks will get you some cardboard. Mm. That is, I'm afraid, all we have time for for this instalment of Technogaze. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure as usual. It's been lovely. Uh, thank you, Mark. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for driving the bus and <laughs> doing my Starship. Bed. Starship. Starship. Sorry. Starship Technogaze. <laughs> and thank you, Michael. Thank you. Now, if you missed any part of the show or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by browsing to joy.org.au slash technogaze. Coming on up is another instalment of Cravings with Pete Dillon, but not before a Joy News Bulletin with Shannon Gillies. Have a really fantastic weekend, everybody, Melbourne and the world, wherever you are. It certainly has been our pleasure. Technogaze on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.